He is good. Provider of all of our needs. We have hope because of his forgiveness. We have hope because of his salvation. We have hope because of his love. The Bible says in Hebrews that he is an anchor for our soul. This hope that we have within us is our anchor. And that anchor is built upon faith. And we got a whole lot of people, millions around the world who are, like the old hymn says, like a ship without a sail. They're just drifting along in this sea of doubt and fear and anxiety and frustration and worry. But as believers, we have this anchor for our soul that gives us hope and it's grounded in faith in Him. And as believers, we have no need to fear. I want to talk to you about fear today. We've been going through this sermon series the last couple of weeks and, and uh, we will continue in this series for another couple of weeks called you asked for it. And so we asked you as a congregation to send us in your questions and topics that you want to hear about. And one of the top ones on the list was this issue of fear and anxiety. So I want to talk to you a little bit about fear and anxiety today. I heard this week a story about a woman who had developed this horrible fear of her house being robbed. She had this fear of some burglar coming in in the middle of the night and robbing her house. Now that's a very real fear. I've had that fear on many occasions. Um, that's why I sleep next to a couple of buddies of mine named Smith and Wesson. And I also have a, a security system in my home and I have uh, you know some cameras that we've installed because I, I don't like the thought of somebody breaking into my home, especially if I'm there, that actually happened to some friends of mine, and it's a horrible thing. Well, this particular lady had a horrible fear of this. In fact, she had it for like 10 years. Well, wouldn't you know it, even with all their precautions, one night they hear a, a noise downstairs. And so she kicks her husband, and he goes downstairs looking for what's this noise about. And sure enough, he encounters a burglar. And so he says to the burglar, he says, uh, um, listen, <laughs> sorry for interrupting. Uh, but be before you do what you're here to do, would you mind just going upstairs and meeting my wife? She's been waiting to meet you for 10 years. <laughs> because you see, <laughs> that burglar can rob their house one time, but fear had been robbing his wife of sleep for 10 years. And that's what fear does. It, it robs us of our joy. It robs us of our peace. It can paralyze us. It can consume us. It forces us to make horrible decisions. And as we've seen in our own society, in our own culture over the last two years, because of fear, we can make some irrational decisions. Not just as a person, but as a culture. So I don't know who you are today as far as your walk in fear. Maybe you're consumed by it. Maybe you're paralyzed by some sort of decision that you're having to make. Maybe you're just walking in worry. But if that's you, I hope that today we have a little word for you. Maybe you're just here and you're one of these people that life has just handed you a bunch of lemons. You've heard that saying, you know, if life hands you a bunch of lemons, you can make lemonade. Well, I was really inspired this week when I heard Max Lucado say this. He said, you know, life may have handed you a bunch of lemons, but that doesn't mean you got to suck them. 
Isn't that the truth? So maybe your life has been a bunch of lemons. Maybe you're going through a bunch of problems and trials and struggles, and maybe you're consumed with fear. Well, I want you to know you're not the only one. So let's ask a couple questions and let me give you a few answers. Why is there so much fear and anxiety in our world? Well, you know, I think we can answer that. All of us could. Look around you, economic issues, violence, recent shootings, rampant sexual abuse, human trafficking, drug abuse, and of course we had this little thing called COVID-19 come along, did a real number on our society. You and I both know that our culture is full of fear, and then you add the media to it and all the hype that comes with that, and suddenly you have the media and the masses now that's just sort of converging together, and you know what happens is fear begets fear. When you get around people who are full of worry, it makes you worry. It's kind of like crazy makes crazy, right? I heard about a lady who, <laughs> who took her husband to the doctor, and she said, um, uh, doctor, my husband's crazy. He said, how do you know he's crazy? She said, well, he thinks he's a chicken. He said, what? She said, yeah, he just walks around the house clucking all the time. He thinks he's a chicken. And he said, well, have you just taken the time to tell your husband he's not a chicken? And she said, well, no. He said, why not? She said, well, because I need the eggs. <laughs> you see, that's, that's just because crazy begets crazy. That's what happens with people that you get around that are full of worry. They just, they, they, they make you worry yourself. And soon we have this whole society that's just full of fear. Well, another question we might ask is, well, is, is, isn't some sort of fear okay? When, and the answer is yes. There, there is one kind of fear that is okay, and that's the fear of God. The Bible says that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And this word fear in this passage is really referring to awe and respect. Is God worthy of our fear? Yes, not because we're afraid of him, but because we have an ultimate respect for him. I look at it like a stove. You have a stove in your kitchen, right? Well, we all have a healthy fear of our stove. We have, a, we have taught our children to have a healthy fear of a hot stove. We love the stove for what it can do for us. We love the stove for what it is. But at the same time, if that burner is hot, we have a healthy fear of that burner because we know that if we get too close and handle it improperly, it'll burn us. That's the kind of fear that's healthy. But there's also unhealthy fear. And this is the kind of fear that paralyzes your ability to just function normally. It consumes your thoughts and your attitudes and it causes you to lose sleep at night and all kinds of other health issues. This is not a healthy kind of fear. And unfortunately, we have so many people dealing with it. So you may be asking this morning, am I the only one who feels this way? And the answer is no. No, in fact, Millions upon millions of people are dealing with fear. In fact, <clears throat> fear is one of our favorite pet sins. And you might ask, is, is, is worry a sin? The answer is yes. Yes, it is. But it's our favorite one because we don't ever talk about it. You know, things like anxiety and worry and fretting, these are vices that we've sort of domesticated in the Christian home. We've adopted it as just sort of something that's acceptable. Rarely do we ever rebuke or correct somebody for being worried. And it's probably because most of us are full of worry ourselves, right? But that doesn't make it okay. In fact, the Bible is quite imperative that worry is not okay. So we need to stop tormenting ourselves with fear and worry. It will corrode us from the inside out. So are you the only one that feels this way? No, no, you're not. You're not alone. And here's why, because you're human. 
The fact is, every one of us are going to have moments of great fear and anxiety in our lives, aren't we? I love what Max Lucado said. He said, the presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is optional. And I want you to know this morning that you don't have to stay in fear. There is a pathway out of the valley of fear. And if you're here and you're one of these individuals that has panic disorders and has an extreme fear about something and you're having to take medication for it, I want you to know that you don't need to be embarrassed about that. You don't need to feel like a second class citizen because sometimes God ministers through the hands of modern medicine and wonderful doctors. But that's an exception to the rule. Most of us could really benefit from just looking and hearing what God has to say about this stuff. And I think his word and his word alone will help relieve you of your worries and your fears. Because anxiety disorders are the most common mental health problem in America. Did you know that? 30% of all adults at some point in your life will suffer from some sort of anxiety disorder in your lifetime. Anxiety has now is now past or surpassed depression and all other forms of mental disorders in our nation. Do you know that in the last 30 years, the amount of people dealing with anxiety disorders has risen 1,200%, 1,200%. And did you know that the average high school student today has the same level of anxiety as an average psychiatric patient in the 1950s? We are consumed with worry. And it happens early. Adolescent anxiety. These kids that come to college, many of them are dealing with this. Many of them are taking medication for it. And a lot of it stems from social media, to be honest with you. Because you see, we're in this constant mode of comparing ourselves to something that we see on a screen that's actually a really carefully scripted version of someone that they put online and then we see them and we begin to dislike who we are and then we try to become something that we're not which leads to confusion to depression to more anxiety to even more extreme behavior like violent outrages reclusive behavior maybe we want to even change our body structure or even our gender and sometimes it leads to suicide so a great amount of the people dealing with these issues are not dealing with them because of a biological issue, but rather it's a social and a psychological issue. Physically, we're fine, but our minds have convinced us otherwise. So we're living in this world that's consumed with fear, and you're not alone. But most fear is based on the unknown, unknown results, unknown outcomes, unknown endings. We all have them. Fears about everything. In fact, when you look at the list of phobias, you can find over 400 phobias listed on the official phobia list. Everything from arachnophobia, the fear of spiders, to acrophobia, the fear of heights, <clears throat> to things that are very rare. In fact, you know that there's an actual phobia that has to do with peanut butter getting stuck to the roof of your mouth? I can't even pronounce the word, but it's a, there's things like arithmophobia. Now, these are pretty rare. The fear of numbers. There's a thing called barophobia. You know what that is? That's the fear of gravity. Now, I'll be honest. If, if you have barophobia, that's pretty tough. Gravity's kind of hard to get away from. It really is. And then my personal favorite, I've shared this one with you before, is hippopotamonstrosis quipideliophobia. 
you know what that is? That's the fear of long words. Somebody had a great time naming that. So fears are unavoidable, but you don't have to be a prison to them. And let me just ask you this. When fear comes knocking at your door, what answers? Will it be faith? I want you to know something. Anytime this kind of unhealthy fear enters your life, you can rest assured it is not from God. Look at 2 Timothy 1.7. What does God say? For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power and love and sound judgment. Fear is like that abusive stepmother in Cinderella. Do you remember that movie? That was one mean lady that poor Cinderella was living with. And you know what? She was awful, but she also had two really mean daughters. And fear is like that. You got Cinderella living in this house with this mean stepmom. And she's fear, but her stepdaughters are just as bad. And they're named worry and anxiety. And maybe you're not full of fear, but you are full of worry and anxiety. We worry about everything. Our past, we worry about a situation in our present. We worry about the uncertainty of our future. I love what Tony Evans said. He said, we're crucified between two thieves, yesterday and tomorrow. And today is the tomorrow that you worried about yesterday. So we got to remind ourselves, folks, this morning that if God was faithful yesterday, and if he's faithful today, then you better believe he's going to be faithful tomorrow. This hope that we have is not just for now, but it's forever. Therefore, if you have, you have nothing to fear when your faith is in God. He's got you. He's holding on to you, and he's not going to let you go. So what's another question we ask? Well, what does God say about fear, worry, and anxiety? Well, I'm glad you asked, because here's the answer. So much. He says so much about fear. In fact, now I haven't looked them all up, but I've heard, that, and I've read this many times, that there's 366 references to do not fear in the Bible in all kinds of different forms. Do not be afraid, do not worry, do not fear. 306, that's one for every day of the year and one for leap year. Isn't that awesome? I love what Mickey Rivers, the famous outfielder for the Texas Rangers said. He's, I love this, he said, <clears throat> sorry, there ain't no sense worrying about things you got control over because you've got control over them, you don't need to worry. And he said, but there ain't no sense in worrying about things you don't have any control over. Because if you don't have any control over them, there ain't no sense in worrying. That's some pretty good common sense, isn't it? In other words, there ain't no sense in worrying about anything. And that's exactly, exactly what Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 6. We went over this passage a couple weeks ago when we were doing this sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. I want us to revisit it today. Would you turn in your Bibles? Matthew chapter 6. And here's the next question. How can I defeat my fear with faith. Well, let's let Jesus give us that answer. In this passage, Jesus commands us three different times, don't worry. And every time he says it, it's in the imperative. In other words, with force, hey, listen, don't worry. Jesus gives us the cure for anxiety in this passage. Look at verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry. <clears throat> Now, that word worry is a Greek word called miramnao. It's really a combination word. It's a combined word of two different Greek words. The first one, miram, means to be divided. Nao means your mind, gnosis, your mind. So it really means to have a divided mind. Jesus is saying, don't have a divided mind. In other words, when you're torn between good thoughts and destructive thoughts, 
This is what causes your worry. In the broader context of the passage, what Jesus is saying is this division or this divided loyalty, this divided mind is between two different kingdoms, God's kingdom and one that we've created on our own. Jesus says, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now, Jesus is not saying don't plan no, it's good to have a plan. In fact, many scriptures back that up. It's good to have a purpose and a plan in your life. So Jesus doesn't mean don't be concerned. We should be concerned about our future, our nation, our education, our families, and the rest. But there's a difference between concern and worry. Worry is concern on steroids. You see, concern is a situation that needs to be addressed or controlled. It is something we own, but worry owns us. Worry is when concern is controlling us now. It's often about something that hasn't even happened yet. Do you know that 85% of what we worry about never actually even happens? I love what Tony Evans said. He said, worry is like a fog. And I looked this up. Do you know that one acre of fog only actually carries the actual water content of a few ounces of water, like four ounces of water? So if you boil an entire acre of fog down into, into water, it eats with about four to five ounces. That's it. So there's not a whole lot of substance to fog. And yet it causes so much damage, doesn't it? It causes plane wrecks. It causes car pileups. It causes all kinds of delays. Worries like that. It causes a whole lot of damage in our lives, even though there's whole oftentimes not a whole lot of substance to it and yet we worry anyway so why do we worry quite simply because we are focused on the wrong authority we are in effect saying God I'm not sure you're capable of handling this so in order to defeat our fear with faith we've got to make a few concrete decisions in our own lives let me give you a few of those first of all you got to decide whose you are. Decide whose you are. <clears throat> Look at verse 25. It starts with the word therefore. Now you know the rule in scripture, right? Whenever you see the word therefore, you got to look and see what it's there for. So we back up one verse to verse 24. And what does that verse say? No one can serve two masters since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money or things or possessions. So if you want to get rid of worry, you got to get rid of one of your masters. You cannot be ruled by two masters. One has to go. And this is a beautiful picture that Jesus is painting because this was a day when slavery was prominent. And the thing about masters and slaves was a little different in those days in the sense that it was really more of a boss and a working relationship. But here's the deal. Those who were masters were 100% responsible for, for, for providing every single need in that slave's life, including their clothing, all their food, their shelter, everything. The slave was completely dependent upon that master. And what Jesus is saying here is, look, you can't have two masters. Either you're the king in your own kingdom, or you're going to trust God to be the king and the master of your life. 
And the reason our lives are so full of fear is because we're trying to do both. See, the confusion comes when we're trying to serve two masters. We got one master on Monday through Saturday, and then we come in here on Sunday morning to serve the master. So we become a person divided between competing loyalties. We got both feet and most of our heart in the world most of the time, but then we lift both of our hands and pay a little homage to our creator on Sunday morning. So we put some trust in the master, but not all of our trust in the master because we have this other master that we're pretty loyal to also. So we believe God can supply us a home in heaven. We just can't get comfortable with how he can supply what we need on this earth. But listen, you wanna get rid of worry in your life, you gotta get rid of one of those masters. And Jesus is saying, you've got to determine to trust me completely as your master. Decide whose you are. Secondly, decide who you are. If you don't know why you're here and where you're going, that's a really scary place to be. And unfortunately, in our culture, there's a lot of confusion about that, isn't there? We're going to address that issue way more deeply here in a few weeks when Pastor Jonathan addresses the the transgender issues that we're looking at in our country. But it boils down to simply not understanding who you are and not understanding whose you are. Look at verse 26. Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? You know, I, I, um, I live on a little property out there in Goud. It's a good place. And um, we've got this little barn on our property. And, and it's kind of funny because uh, last year when I was walking out to the barn, I was opening the sliding door of the barn where we store a bunch of our junk. And when I did, a whole bunch of pine needles and, and, and just... Uh, you know, straw and hay came falling down on my head. And I looked up and it's because a bird had built its nest right there at the, at where the doors come together. So when I opened the door, half the nest came falling down. And then when I was leaving, the rest of the nest came down. And when it fell to the ground, I noticed that there was three little blue eggs in there that had all shattered. And I felt so horrible because these cute little birds, she had her nest up there and, and now I'm a bird murderer. I felt horrible. And so yesterday I was out of the barn again and guess what? I heard all kinds of birds singing and I, I thought, oh, here they go, bird, building that nest again. And so I went out there and sure enough, they started building a nest on top of those doors again. And I hate to tell the birds this, but tomorrow I'm going to mess up their world because I'm going to take a ladder and I'm going to move those nests. Why? Not because I want to, but it's for their own good. I'm trying to save the lives of their little babies. I don't want to be a bird murderer anymore. But one thing I've noticed about birds, they don't ever get worried. You ever seen a worried bird? You see angry birds, but you don't see worried birds, do you? I've never seen a bird worried. You don't just walk outside and see a bird sitting over on the corner going, oh. They don't get worried. Why? Because they're just doing what they're created to do. They're just doing what God, and here's the thing. When I move that nest, here's what's going to happen. They're going to, they're going to find another place to build that nest and they're going to lay their eggs. And the entire time they're working on that nest, you know what they're going to be doing? They're going to be singing because that's what birds do. They just sing 
and they work and they get up and they go search for money. I mean, money, they search for worms. <laughs> they, they go search, that's what we do. They, they just go searching for worms everywhere and they just find their little worms. And then they bring those worms back to those little chicks that are in the nest. And you know what the chicks are doing in the nest? They're doing this right here. And they're just waiting for mom to drop a worm in their mouth. By the way, we got a lot of church folk like that. You come in here on Sunday morning, we just do this. But Monday through Saturday, we don't go find the worms ourselves. Listen, you want to get rid of worry in your life? Become a self-feeder. Learn how to read this word. Learn how to dive deep into the word of God. Because one of the marks of you maturing as a believer is that you've learned to pray like it depends on God, but work like it depends on you. And when you get to the end of yourself, you realize that faith is all that you have left. So you place it in his hands. But that faith grows through his word and through being with him and spending time with him. Birds fly around and they don't have any worries. You know why? Because they know who they are. Now look at the next passage, verse 28. And why do you worry about your clothes? And then he goes back to nature again. He says, look at the wildflowers of the field. They just grow. They don't spend their time laboring or spinning thread. Wildflowers don't get up and go to work in the morning. They just are there and they're beautiful. I mean, not even Solomon and all of his splendor was adorned like one of those, Jesus said. And that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow. So won't he do much more for you who are created in his very own image? Oh, ye of little faith, he says. There's a dandelion sitting outside of my front door. You know what? That dandelion, bless his heart, I'm going to be a flower murderer tomorrow too because I'm going to pluck that dandelion. He's not where he's supposed to be. But if I left that dandelion where he would be, you know what? He's a wildflower. You know what's going to happen? I'm going to come back a week later and there's going to be a bunch more dandelions because that's what they do. They just grow. He's not trying to do anything other than what he was created to do. Birds and flowers don't worry with who they are or what they are. They just are. They do what they were created to do. You know why? Because they are in the hands of their master. We have a lot of people in this world that want to be something that they're not. But who you are is not who you wish you were. Who you are is not who you feel like you want to be or what you want to change yourself into. Who you are is who God created you to be. So go home and look in the mirror and ask yourself, who am I? And who you are is a person who is fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God Almighty, who loves you so much that he wants you to become the greatest version of you even more than you want to become the greatest version of you. He has a plan and a person and a purpose for your life, and he wants you to completely trust that he's able to fashion and form you into exactly who he created you to be. So if you're consumed with worry, you need to understand whose you are, and then you also need to understand who you are. You're a child of the king. So I'll ask you again, when fear knocks at your door, will faith answer for you? How about instead of swinging open the door to allow doubt and anxiety and worry drive you into a life consumed by fear, instead of that, why don't you ask your heavenly daddy to answer that door for you? He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He's got you. And what's that secret place that we mentioned in Psalm 91, that secret place of the Most High? Well, that secret place is His presence. 
So thirdly, decide what you're going to do. You know, it's interesting. I heard this from Dr. Jeremiah this week. He said, worry doesn't rob tomorrow of its sorrow. It robs today of its strength. When fear creeps in or anxiety or worry begins to consume you, I want you to look at it as an opportunity to see that God is God. When fear comes creeping at your door, every time, look at that as a direct invitation for you to go to God in prayer. Decide in your mind and in your heart whether God is who he says he is and what he can do, he really can do. So you gotta strengthen your faith. And you know what does that? Prayer. The stronger your faith, the weaker your fear. People of great faith are fearless. So you gotta put a little feet to your faith. And then it cuts the legs out from underneath your fears. And so often we allow our fears to have those feet and they run wild over all of our hearts and minds that it tears us up inside. Hmm. What we need to do is face our fears, not in our own strength, but in the power of our faith in God Almighty. Because you see, fear cannot survive in the presence of faith. So the last question I've got for you this morning is simply this, how do I overcome my fear? Well, the first thing I would tell you is to go bird watching. I'm not kidding. Just go outside. Next time you full fear, uh, you know, just feel like you're full of fear, go outside and just look at the birds and be reminded that if are not two sparrows sold for just a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of the Father. And God knows even the very number of the hairs on your head. So, so he says, don't worry. You're worth more than many sparrows. And then the next thing is just go, go smell the flowers. Watch how God just takes care of his own creation and be reminded that you were created in his image. And if he cares that much about the little things like flowers and birds, how much more does he care for you? Look at verse 31. So don't worry, saying what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles, it's a reference to pagans and unbelievers, they eagerly seek all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So the next thing I would encourage you to do after you go look at the birds and smell the flowers it's just learn how to trust your daddy. He's in your heavenly father. Leave it up to him. And then look at verse 33. He sums it up so beautifully. He says, but, I love that conjunction, but seek first. Why does he say that? Well, because of what he said in verse 24. Remember, he knows we have a divided spirit. We're trying to serve two masters. And he reminds us one more time at the end of this little moment where he's talking to all these people about worry and he's talking to us as well. He says, ah, remember, you're fighting amongst two masters. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So trust your daddy. And I might encourage you to do this, flip the script. Instead of saying, and this is what we do, well, I know God says he'll supply all my needs according to his riches and glory, but you don't know my needs. Oh, I know he says cast all your cares upon him and all that stuff, but you don't know what kind of stuff I'm going through. No, no, no. Flip that script. 
Instead of saying that, maybe you should start saying this. Look, I know I've got a lot of needs, but my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. I know I got a lot of problems, but God said, cast your cares upon me because I care for you. You got to stop telling God about how big your problems are. Listen, he knows. Instead, why don't you start telling your problems about how big your God is? Amen. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And if you're full of fear, I just got to tell you, your faith is too small. Because the size of your faith is tied to the size of your God. And when your faith in him grows, your fear will begin to shrink. And the more your faith grows, the less fear becomes an option in your life. Can I give you just one more thing? So go smell flowers, go watch the birds, learn to trust your heavenly father, and then finally, worship him through it all. I was really torn this week about which passage to use about fear because there's so many. And I just decided instead we'd look at the words of Jesus and then to close, I wanna look at the words of Paul. It's amazing how similar these words are. In fact, Paul uses the very same word that Jesus used for worry when he uses this word for anxious in Philippians chapter four, verse six, that word miramnao, that divided mind. You know, two years ago, and I've told you this story before, so I won't belabor it, but two years ago, well, actually three years ago now, we're in the middle of this pandemic, I was one of the first cases in this county. And at first, I sort of laughed it off. I thought, well, good grief, you know. And then my, my doctor, Craig Petrie, he called me on April Fool's Day to tell me that I had COVID. That was a real blessing. And we actually kind of laughed about it. And then 10 days later, I found myself sitting in a hospital room because uh, I had developed double pneumonia from that COVID virus. And suddenly it wasn't funny anymore. 30 days straight of 104.5 degree temperature. I sat there in a fog for days on end. Our dear pastor, Jonathan, literally called every day to check on me. I had other friends, like friends in this room who called me all, all the time. They're just checking on me. But I went through about 10 days where literally I couldn't even talk on the phone. It was the weirdest thing. I was in what they call the COVID fog and I would just stare out the window. And people ask me all the time, were you afraid to die? And I'm like, no, no, I really wasn't afraid to die, but I was full of worry and full of anxiety and full of depression and full of, I was just ticked off at the whole thing and I was frustrated and you're not gonna find any of those on the lift of the fruit of the spirit, right? So I, I wasn't afraid to die, but boy, I was everything else. And I found myself in this hospital bed on Thursday night before Easter, April 9th. And I'll never forget that moment because I'm all alone and I'm frustrated. And I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. And I just, I felt, well, I'll just get on my knees and start praying for the Lord to heal me. Because my first thought was, well, man, can you imagine if God heals me, they'll put it on the news and tell the whole world that somebody was miraculously healed by God. And because of that, everybody's faith will grow. God, this would be awesome. Sure, it would be cool if you just healed me right here in this hospital bed. And the more I prayed, the worse I felt. And by about three in the morning, I was as low and felt as horrible as I had ever felt in my life. And I was getting mad because I kept asking God to heal me and he wasn't. And I was doing everything I knew to do. I was praying, I was believing with everything I could. And I just kept thinking, if you'll heal me, God, I'll, my faith will grow in you so much. 
And it wasn't until about three days later that it finally dawned on me, that's not what God wanted me to do. You see, because faith is the evidence of things unseen. And instead of God healing me so that in response to his healing, I'd believe in him more, you know what God wanted me to do? Believe in him more. And then he would heal me. And I was listening to some podcasts that morning. It was Good Friday. And I just happened to turn on a podcast by John Piper. And in that podcast, he said these words. He said, I feel like somebody listening to me today needs to hear this. Don't waste your cancer. And when he said that, it's like the Holy Spirit spoke to me just as clear as a bell and said, hey, don't waste your COVID. I got you sitting here for a reason. You need to learn a few things. And boy, did I ever. And so I turned to my Bible to Philippians chapter four, verse six, a passage that I've talked to a whole lot of people about a lot of times in the past. But instead of teaching it for the first time in a long time, I was being forced to live it. And Paul says these words, be anxious. Same word that Jesus used for the word worry. Be anxious for nothing. That's a present active imperative commandment. In other words, I command you to stop worrying. In the Greek, it literally is translated this. Stop worrying even about one single thing. That's what Paul's saying. But in everything, worry about nothing, but in everything, my prayer and supplication, and here was the, here was the phrase that got me, with thanksgiving. Make your requests made known to God. It's like the Holy Spirit said to me, have you thanked me for COVID yet? I was like, no, I don't want to. And I never did, but you know what I did? I learned to thank God in COVID. And I began to turn that hospital room that was filled with worry into a sanctuary filled with worship. And what began to ease my anxiety was that little phrase, with thanksgiving. And I started thanking Jesus for healing me before he had healed me. And I started believing it, and I started claiming it, and I started thanking him in advance for it, and I got to the point in the midst of that worship that if he didn't heal me, I was still thankful. Now that's a good place to be. Because one of the cures for worry and anxiety is thankfulness. Listen to this phrase. Anxiety refuses to share your heart with gratitude, the two cannot coexist. But worry has to leave when worship walks in. So the more grateful your heart, the less anxious your soul. It is in his perfect presence that we find perfect peace, which allows us to rest in his perfect plan. And when you are at rest, it's impossible for you to be in fear. Peace I leave you, Jesus said. My peace I give to you. And it's not like the world does. It. The world can't give you this kind. And then he says these words. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Will you bow your heads with me? 
I just wonder here today if there's people who are dealing with great fear in your life. You're consumed by it. You're paralyzed by it. I just want to remind you again, you don't have to be that way. But there's a war going on in your soul because you're trying to serve two masters. Maybe that master's fear itself. I don't know. But you know what Jesus says? He says, trust me. Trust me. Don't you worry about it anymore. I got you. You know what he also promises you? Is that he's going to hold you in his hand and he's never going to let you go. When's the last time you just rested in the peace of God and let fear go? Listen, if that's you, we're going to stand quietly here in this moment. And I just want to tell you, this, this is an altar that's open for you to just come and lay your fears at the feet of Christ. Let him take it. Let him handle it. Lay your anxieties down. Lay your worry down. And there may be some people in this room, you know what, you're, you're full of fear, but you also don't have any faith because you've never met the one who can save you. Listen, if your heart is empty, there's the start of it all right there. You'll never be able to conquer your fears until you know the one who can conquer them for you. And his name is Jesus. So if that's you, come take one of these counselors by the hand and simply say, man, I need to meet Jesus. I need to know this guy. I need to know him. But a great many of you in this room, you know Christ. It's just that we don't trust him enough. Maybe you just need to come to the altar. Let him ease your fear and your mind and your heart for the first time maybe in decades. In decades. So with that in mind, would you just stand? And we're going to sing a little song that talks exactly about what I've been talking about as we close today. If you need to come, the altar's open. Or maybe you just need to do point number four, worshiping through it all. Come on, let's sing it, Scott. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over fear and all anxiety. Every soul have captified and Sing it with us. Shout Jesus from the mountains. Jesus is. Just sing the name of Jesus. Jesus in the darkness. Over every enemy. Jesus for my family. I'll speak the whole name. 
singing those words in your heart. Oh, Lord, break every stronghold. Bring your healing. Because your name is power. Your name is life. He is the one who can help you. He's the one who can set you free. So this week, I want you to walk in that office tomorrow with no fear. Go to your homes this afternoon with no fear. And every time you're tempted to be fearful about anything, make that an opportunity to pray. Then go outside and look at the flowers. Watch the birds. Turn and trust your daddy. And then you know what? Worship him through it all. And in the process of that, I believe, I believe, I don't just believe, I know God will ease your fears. God bless you. Have a great, great week, everybody. I want to thank you for joining with us today. If you've never come to the place of recognition in your life of being a sinner and needing a Savior, you can do so right now. Believing that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose again to give you eternal life. Just ask Him to save you today. If you would like to talk further about what it is that God has done for you in the giving of His Son, Jesus, we would love to chat with you about that. I would encourage you to email us at the address that is on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. We would love to connect with you to help you begin a brand new journey with Jesus Christ in your life. And if you would like to help to contribute to our ministry as we take this message of the gospel around the world, go to the link on the screen today and help us help others with the amazing message of God's love, to let them know that God loves them, that Christ died for them, that He rose again, and through Christ, we have hope.